It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Question right off the bat, it's a rhetorical question, meaning you don't have to respond to me, but think to yourself, this is my question. Are you happy? All right, very good. Good, some people are, which, you know, may be a bit of a surprise because let's face it, we're two plus years into a pandemic and uh, that's the thing. A lot of uncertainty continues around that. Uh, we're getting a constant stream of uh, unfortunate news coming from Ukraine and the atrocities being committed over there, which you know can weigh just on us. If you have a mortgage, there's increased chatter about not if but when RBA are going to raise interest rates and what that's going to mean for your cash flow. Hmm. In fact, if you were to pick a theme song for your current happiness level, would it be Pharrell Williams' Happy? Or would it be Rolling Stones' I Can't Get No Satisfaction? Which would be kind of more typically your current theme song? I think sometimes when you ask this sort of a question, the most honest answer might be, well, it depends. Am I happy? It depends. You know, it depends when you ask me. Morning people, ask you in the morning, yeah, I'm happy. After about 5 p.m., not so happy. Evening people, opposite. It's 11 a.m. and I'm awake. No, I'm not happy. This is ridiculous. How do people live like this? You know, if you love your job, you might be a thank God it's Monday and I'm happy. And if you hate your job, you might be a thank God it's Friday and I get out of here and get to enjoy life again. Maybe even you might slice and dice it and say, well, it depends what aspect of my life you're referring to. I mean, my kids make me happy, my spouse, not so much. Uh, my bank balance, well, you know, I've seen better days. Um, or this one right now, when you are walking into the door of the service station to pay for fuel that you just pumped, I think it might be okay to have the realization that you're not happy. This is not working. So we're launching a series today called The Joy Factor. And over the next few weeks, we're gonna take a deep dive into uh, actually a slice of Jesus' most famous teaching. His most famous teaching has been kind of packaged up and labeled the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins this famous message, uh, truth bomb after truth bomb after truth bomb, with what's become known as the Beatitudes, where Jesus drops nine key principles that if we take them and apply them in our lives, they will actually cause our joy to increase. So starting today, if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, how about you open that to Matthew chapter five. So Matthew was one of Jesus' handpicked followers. Uh, he was an accountant by trade, so pretty good on the details. If you're gonna ask somebody to record your most famous message, you know, Definitely choose Matthew. He's gonna cross every T and dot every I. Um, 
And the backstory actually leading into this, uh, this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught is actually Jesus had just recently handpicked his 12 followers. That's something that rabbis did. Rabbis beginning their public rabbi-ish journey uh, would choose 12 handpicked uh, and call them their disciples. So Jesus did that. Um, and uh, he started them, started their training by taking them on a road trip throughout Galilee. And him and his 12 merry men went around Galilee. Literally, Matthew records, Jesus was going around healing every single person who had some illness or affliction. Well, get this. You will not be surprised to learn that as news of Jesus going around healing people started to spread, his popularity spread, and people actually started coming to him from outside of Galilee. Crowds growing, growing day by day, week by week. And so right now, Matthew drops us into the situation where Jesus has some crowd control issues. And so he retreats up a little hill, hence the Sermon on the Mount. And those that were sort of committed, they followed him up the hill and he started to teach them. And as I said, the very first thing he taught them was these nine truths that if we apply them, we can increase the joy factor in our lives. So this is where Matthew drops us in, verse one. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and he taught his climbing companions. And this is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. That makes absolutely no sense. His followers would have been like, huh? I thought you were smart. This is just dumb. Like that does not make sense. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. Hmm, okay. And Jesus uses this phrase blessed again and again and again, nine times in, in this Beatitudes. Blessed, blessed, blessed. So let me define terms very simply. I'm gonna go with the, the definition of blessed as being the state of being singularly favored by God. Now, the thing about this definition of being singularly favored by God is a truth that I, 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 I've just been like dying to tell y'all today. This idea, and this might be some of the best news you've heard in a long time, reinforces the fact that God doesn't just love you he actually likes you. Because we say, oh yeah, God loves the world. Yeah, God loves, yeah, yeah, God. But do you know he actually likes you? And, and, and this matters in relationships. I mean, you're meant to love your spouse, but it's also a bonus when you like them. You're meant to love your kids. It's also a bonus when you like them, right? So God doesn't just love you. He also likes you. He doesn't necessarily like everything you do, but he likes you. And he wants to favor you. He wants to bless you. He wants to demonstrate in practical terms his love and like for you. So Jesus tees off with this one. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. In 2007, Steve Jobs introduced a brand new device 
which I think we can all agree has been a game changer called the iPhone. And he pulls it out of his pocket. Up to then, there'd been an iPod and there'd been Blackberries. He pulls out an iPhone and people are like, oh, wow, that's amazing, this and that. And there was queues at the Apple stores and there was you know, stampedes at the Apple stores to buy the first ones around the globe. This and that. That's not my scene. I, I don't wanna buy the first of anything. I want some other people to be the guinea pigs. And once they've ironed out the kinks, I'll, I'll, I'll go in and get the next version. So one of my friends, a few months after the iPhone was released, um, he had one. We were at dinner and I said, just, you know, I'm starting to like, Build a case, like if I was to get one, like why would I get one? This is in my head, why would I get one? Do my research, ask questions. So I asked my friend, hey, I, you know, I noticed you've got the new iPhone. Uh, what does it do? You know, like show me what it, what it does. And so he goes, oh, he goes, check this out. And he picks it up and he, point, and he, and he has the screen facing to me and, and it's got a, a, an image of a, a, jug, a, a, a glass of beer. And he goes, watch this, watch this. And as he tilted the iPhone, the beer drained away. And I was like, okay, yeah. And it doesn't do anything else. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's another app that emits fart sounds on demand. And I'm like, uh, sure. Well, needless to say, I did not purchase an iPhone following that dinner conversation. Not exactly an essential tool fake beer drinking and fart noises, unless you're a 13 year old boy with the latter app or Andrew Pelicanos. Um, <laughs> but here we are 15 years later. And I'm gonna ask a question, I don't want you to answer because I don't know the answer, but when was the last time you went 24 hours without looking at the screen of your smartphone? Don't answer me that, I don't know the answer. The answer's never, I can't remember. It's been a while. Because here's the thing, here's your phone. Text messaging back and forth, doom scrolling Instagram, checking email, sending email, receiving email, popping open your search engine to fact check stuff, watching the YouTubes, maybe ordering some food delivery, maybe starting your day with the quick game of Wordle. And the list goes on and on and on. Did you know there is now a med an official medical condition known as smartphone finger? There are articles on the interwebs. I, I, I made the point of reading one of them. I felt like I just, once I'd read it, I probably knew as much as I needed to know. Actually, no, I, I looked at the headline and I figured I probably needed to, because here's the headline. <sighs> this is a medical article, by the way. God bless the medical community. This article is, is the, the smartphone finger was a title. Subtitle, outlining the causes and prevention. <laughs> and I'm like, Look, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure I could have a reasonably accurate stab in the dark to determine what the causes might be and therefore the ensuing prevention. But anyway, because over the last 15 years, smartphones have moved from optional to pretty much essential. You know, we've got them on us all the time. You can leave your wallet at home accidentally, but God help you if you leave your smartphone at home accidentally. <laughs> 
One of my favorite apps is Maps. Okay, now. <clears throat> 10 years ago, Maps weren't really a thing. So even up to that point, if you wanted to navigate the streets of your city here in Perth, for example, you would have to use a street directory. Which, by the way, might I just say, for the record, you were legally, you can't touch your phone while you're driving, but you could legally have a book, a big thinking book in your hand and have that while you're driving. And that was okay. I don't know. We live in a crazy time. Well, as you can see, these still exist. 2022. Anyone still have one? Greenie, all right. Yeah, all right. Okay, yeah, all right. And, and do you all use it? Yeah. Really? What year is it? Hi, Karamba. Do you buy one every year? You're a borderline psychopath. All right. So here's the deal. Okay. Good on you. God bless you. I'm not here to judge you. Um, let, me, let me give you a, a little history lesson or uh, what Jenny Green refers to as current affairs um, as to how these, for those of you under 30, this is how this played out, all right? So I'm gonna take you on an imaginary journey that for those of us over 30, wasn't an imaginary journey. You would have to, so here's the thing, you would have to, if you were going somewhere that you'd never been before, visiting a friend or whatever it is, you would have to read the street directory before you, le you left and actually try to memorize all of the major turns that you had to make. If mid-trip, for some reason, you'd forgotten the memorized coordinates, you would have to pull over to the side of the road, recheck your street directory and then proceed on your journey. If you forgot to take your street directory with you, you would have to find a service station and then cheekily pretend you were gonna buy something, but actually just go and read the street directory for free. The trick was to have a passenger. That was always the pro move, that your passenger would then automatically become the designated navigator. Now you might think that's bulletproof, but it's not because there's still a level of aptitude required that that person may or may not possess, right? Because these street directs, things aren't linear. I mean, they are for a few pages. Page 12 goes into page 13 and the road connects and then flip the page at page 14, yep, the road connects, 15, and then, oh no, we're in a completely different set of postcodes. You've got to jump like 12 pages to pick up where you left off. You're doing that, or your navigator's doing that, while you could be possibly driving at 80, 90 kilometers an hour. Clock's ticking, is the next turn coming up? I don't know. <laughs> Did anybody who's been a designated navigator turn the map book as the turns? Yeah, all right, well, I, I have one of them in my household. Uh, people, that is. Um, you know, for the record, I wonder how many marriages imploded over this very dynamic. You had one job. <laughs> so needless to say, thank God for map apps. So last Saturday, one of our team, Maddie Coombs and I, we were uh, Saturday morning going for a drive uh, to my in-laws. They're in, living in Morley. We're gonna pick up some furniture. So Matt can pick me up in the Mattmobile and uh, I was the designated navigator, but I didn't need a map app or a street director because it's my in-laws. I've, I've made that journey countless times. So we're, we're driving through, we, we get to, uh, we go alongside the Galleria in Morley 
and get to the end of it's, I think it's Russell Street. And I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, when suddenly I discovered we were in the wrong lane and it was a turning only lane. And I would always historically have turned right, but Matt just instinctively, we're in the wrong, turns left. And I'm like, okay. I didn't say this out loud, but I thought to myself, I think we, we're in trouble. Uh, uh, I said to Matt, it's fine, it's fine, I got this. But because he's not here, he's FIFOing, let me, let me tell you something I didn't tell him. I didn't got this. Because, because for me, I mean, I might just be a bit thick, but for me, all of the streets in Morley look the same. I'm like, so I'm just, I'm, this is just, but you know, my confidence exceeded my ability and I'm like take the next left yep yep left yep then you want to take the second on the right I had no idea I didn't even know where we were let alone where we were going I was like yep a few minutes of that I I, I didn't even know if we were still in Morley and I'm like okay. and I literally had the idea I'm it's Saturday morning I know I am going to navigate using the sun I did it's about 9 30 a.m so I kind of know the sun's still probably e east-ish so I'm like, yep, next right. <laughs> well, that went on for a few minutes. And I mean, again, I, I, we, I, I we could have been in Wanneroo at this point. I had, I, had, I had no idea. So I did, I ain't too proud to beg. I did what males are genetically programmed not to do. I opened up my map app and I asked Siri for directions. I know, I know, I'm ashamed, I did. But here's what the map app did. The map app figured out where we were and then the map app proceeded to tell Matt where to go to get back on track to arrive at the originally uh, goal destination. That's not a surprise to anyone that's used the map app, right? You're like, really, what witchcraft is this? No, it's, it's brilliant. So let me translate this thing that Jesus said into 2022 language. He said, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. In 2022, he might've said it this way. You're blessed when you rely on God the way you rely on your smartphone. He might've said, you're blessed when you're off track and you ask me for directions the same way you ask Siri or Google for directions. That when you do that, when you recognize you're at the end of your rope, when you recognize you're off track, when you recognize you're heading in the wrong direction, if, if, when you recognize that, you ask me, I'll show up and I will give you the directions you need, but only if you ask. Now, there's one qualifier. Has anyone heard the phrase, Jesus, take the wheel? Has anyone, has anyone, has anyone ever said that even to themselves? Oh my gosh, life's going to pieces. Jesus, take the wheel. And, and here's the thing. That is an incredibly irresponsible thing to say. Do you say, uh, Siri, I'm a little bit lost here. Siri, take the wheel and you jump in the passenger seat. Google, take the wheel, jump in the back seat. <laughs> now, there'll be a time when you can, self-driving vehicles. By the way, I had this thought. 
This has got nothing to do with the message. I, I just had the thought. Sometimes I feel the need to bring you up to speed. Uh, Self-driving cars, you know, they're, go, they're probably gonna be a thing in a few years' time. In fact, Louis found an article last week of one that, <laughs> that was speeding and the cops pulled it over and there was nobody in the vehicle. It's <laughs> like, this is odd. Uh, <laughs> speeding. Who do you give the fine to? Anyway, uh, so I had the thought, and it's gonna be self-driving trucks and self-driving pickup trucks, right? So you know where I'm going with this, don't you? There will be somebody will write the very first country song about the fact that their truck left them, all right? I'm just, I'm just, I'm, you heard it here first. The dogs left them, the wife's left them, the kids have left them, and now, oh my gosh, my truck left me. So anyway. <clears throat> so in this case, Jesus isn't saying that we have no responsibility. In fact, Having asked for directions, our responsibility continues by listening and obeying. That's the same with the map apps. I'm gonna ask you where to go and when you tell me, I'm gonna listen and then I'm not gonna arm wrestle you. I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna do what you tell me to do. In fact, if you don't, not only will you not experience the joy factor, you will raise the frustration factor and the complication factor. Have you, ever, have you ever looked at, examined some of the people in your sphere in, whose lives are very complicated and thought to yourself, why do you keep doing the things that made your life so complicated? Why don't you stop doing some of that dumb stuff and life will get much simpler for you? Have you ever, don't, don't, don't have to admit that. Some people may have looked at you and thought the same thing. I don't know, just saying. Then Jesus, I'll drop the second one for today. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what's most dear to you. Again, Jesus, this makes no sense. Only then, oh, only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Now, this is probably read at funerals uh, and for all the right reasons. And the obvious one is, you know, lost a, a person that's most dear to you. Absolutely. Though, it goes beyond that as well. You know, lost a marriage, uh, have a wayward child, uh, lost a job or a business, maybe lost some health, finances, opportunities, maybe lost some trust with somebody with whom you previously had a, a solid trust relationship. Now, I've been there. Uh, I'll give you the very skinny version because I, I don't like, well, I've told this story before on almost endless loop but some it feels, is that 13 years ago, I was leading a church and I got fired from leading that church. And uh, I lost, and Louis as well, we lost a lot in the aftermath of that. I mean, financially, cash flow, equity, et cetera, because we bought a house, sold a house, and markets were going in the wrong direction. Next 12 months, we lost high six figures. And when I say high, I mean high six figures in the next 12 months. That wasn't cool. Um, we lost friends, both, you know, friends that we'd been making in the church. Uh, we lost trust, you know, because it was the board of the church that had fired me without any consultation. And we'd kind of thought that we were building trust with them. And the list goes on. It was just brutal, absolutely brutal. And the easiest thing for me at the time 
to have done would have just gone to go back into my corporate career, resume that, which by the way would have helped fast track the uh, <laughs> reversal of our financial situation. Um, but here's the problem. If I did that, I would have skipped a step. In fact, I would have skipped this step. I would have gone into that job with open wounds and that would have been problematic for me and everybody else because I would have skipped this step if I'd done that as my next move. Um, and so we really needed God's embrace. I mean, when, you, when you've got like open, deep wounds, you need some outside intervention. You know, a, a hug and a Band-Aid to kiss your boo-boo isn't gonna get it done. And some of you know this because you've been in, in, in situations and circumstances and seasons where you had deep, open wounds. And Jesus says, don't skip this step. And, and, I, and I'm, this is the part of the story I, I, I couldn't wait to tell you, is that uh, the first person I rang, uh, a friend of mine, Rick in Melbourne, and I just phoned him to just kind of download and I knew he'd just listen and not judge and not, you know, whatever. And he said to, to us, you know, well, how about you come and stay with us for a couple of weeks? Well, we stayed with him for six months. Uh, we didn't, we just forgot to leave. Every morning they'd get up and be like, huh, oh, they're still here. Um, and that family treated us as family. Um, they just loved it. They, you, know, you know, in these times, you don't just need people who are gonna tolerate you. You, you need people who are gonna celebrate you. And, and, and that, made, that made all the difference. God used them, you know, people, God with skin on, to embrace us and help us on this journey. Don't skip this step. Um, they lead a church in Melbourne, which I'm part of the teaching team now. In fact, I taught there this morning, virtually. Um, their church celebrated us, embraced us and celebrated us. In fact, we were so hurt by the church that I'd just been fired from that, that like we couldn't even bring ourselves some Sundays to, to turn up, even though it was a different church. It was just like, ugh, just these reminders of what had just happened, the aftermath, and we got, still got the open wounds and so on. And they were like, that's fine. Show up when you show up or have coffee in St. Kilda when you don't show up. Both is fine. And we're like, wow, the grace and the, and the, and the space that they gave us was remarkable. Um, <laughs> one, one embrace came kind of out of left field for me personally, because I'm there going, oh man, this sucks. You know, we, we resigned from a, our job here in Perth. We moved into state. We, you know, went all in. We bought a house. We, you know, and 12 months later, I'm like, oh man, you know, did we, did we not hear God correctly? Is there things we could have done differently? Uh, you know, am I, sometimes you even get in a little bit of self-pity where you think it's only you that this has ever happened to. Like, oh, what's wrong with me? And, and I remember in this 12-month kind of healing uh, phase, there was an email blog came through. I subscribed to some church leadership email blogs, that sort of stuff, you know, so I get this email blog. And I'm reading the, the, the article, and, it, and it's an article of, um, telling a slice of a story of like this Christian all-star church leader. If I said his name, 90% of you would be like, oh, really, that guy? Yeah, that guy. He's church leader, written a gazillion books that have sold gazillions of copies. And uh, I'm reading this article which starts to tell a slice of his story that I had no idea had ever happened. And, and it was that he was leading a church uh, and it wasn't going so well. 
And so one day he turned to his wife and, and said to her, honey, I'm not sure if we're meant to kind of keep going. Like this is, this is not kind of clicking. Um, do you think we should pray about it? And his wife responded instinctively, yeah, you pray while I pack. And that was it. They got out of there. It was considered a failure in that. And, and I'm like, I was so encouraged <laughs> that even an, an all-star level leader can have this sort of thing happen to them. And, I, and so even then, and I was, this, this happened for me. And I was reminded, God didn't just love me and love us. He actually liked me. And he wanted to bless me, not in some kind of cosmic way, but very, very pixelated. Sends this email. And in a culture that advocates rise and grind, it's easy to skip this step. It's easy to overlook the importance of this step. If you've ever been in a situation where you've lost something dear to you, and again, it, it could be a person, but it could be any of the, any of the long list of things. Uh, don't skip this step. And you might even be in that place today where you're like, I still have, you know, like I've got scars, but no more open wounds. And that's the, that's the key difference, you know? So God may still wanna do some more healing for you. Don't skip this step. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.